Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Unfiltered Intellect. Uh, this is actually going to be our last episode as part of our mental health series. Um, after what, excuse me, after which, rather, we're going to change back up to doing just current events or just topics that we decide that are on our minds to get out to our audience. So let's go ahead and roll the intro and we're going to jump right into the meat of the of the conversation welcome to unfiltered intellect brought to you by two friends of 20 plus years that are working through this journey of life we will touch base on everyday topics that affect us and those around us so make sure you tune in every monday for an unfiltered intellectual conversation Hey everybody, welcome back. So today's episode, we're actually going to dive into medication. We're going to dive into stigma ending and also touch back on children and dealing with superpowers, mental health issues, whatever you decided to go with. So we're going to dive into medication topic right now. We've been putting it off. We've made references to it in numerous episodes because I feel like it deserves its own its own subject matter, its own episode to dive into the pros and cons, the debates about medicating when should you and when should you not. So diving into it, I will say I have been completely against medication for the longest. And a lot of it is because dealing with bipolar disorder diagnosed and undiagnosed for so long i made it this far without medication well not this far a couple years ago things kind of changed and i'll dive into that story here in a bit but i've i've always dealt with the ups and downs i i always knew that if i did get depressed that if i just push through it i will eventually either come back to my base or i'll switch over into manic which means i'm going to be happy as can be the thing that really caused me to get on medication is when my granddad died, actually. And when that happened, I, I was fine, or I thought I was fine. But as time progressed, you know, the funeral got closer. And I think after the funeral happened, then, you know, you have that time where you can pro- process what has happened, what has occurred. And in that time, like I went from being okay to getting into a normal level, I guess I would say, of depression to just completely hitting rock bottom. I'm talking paralyzing depression where I can't do anything. I'm seeing everything that needs to be done around the house. Can't do it. My yard looked absolutely disgusting because I didn't care. I didn't have any energy. I didn't have any push to get me up to do the yard work. On top of that, performance at work started degrading and my wife was having to pull all of the load. And if you recall from a previous episode about parenting, I I firmly believe that parenting should be a balance. You should be able to support each other in your parenting journey. And one parent should never have to carry the entire load you know, depending on your situation, if both are there, then there should never be a, a time where one parent feels like they have to do it all. Well, 
in any ways, that happened for a while. And I finally realized that I was not coming out of the depression and it was actually getting lower to places where I've never even personally been in my life. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it scared me. I'm not going to even lie about it. Like I, for the first time in my life, was completely terrified about where I was mentally and how bad my mental health had deteriorated after my granddad passed. So I finally swallowed my pride because I, I think, Tasha, I, I guess, what would you say? It's probably some, somewhat of a pride issue there. Swallowed my pride. For and you. What? Yeah, for you. Oh, yeah. It was. I, yeah. yeah, I swallowed my pride and really just accepted the fact that I needed help. And I went and saw a, what, what is it, Tasha? Is it a, a psychiatrist? psychiatrist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went and saw a psychiatrist and, you know, started explaining what was going on. And, you know, it, I think they started me on, um, oh my gosh, what was it? They started me on lithium. That didn't work too well for me. It It's designed to balance out the highs and the lows. I didn't have any problem controlling my highs. That's that's not an issue for me. It was the low that I wanted to get resolved. But for some reason, that particular psychiatrist was more focused on treating just the bipolar itself and kept me on the lithium. So I went and saw it, um, another medical professional, and they listened to what I had to say. I feel like they paid more attention to what I had to say. And that's when they put me on to a, a medication that was for depression. And since then, it took a while to get into my system and got me finally to a point where I was functional again. But I, I've still, I'm still taking it, still maintaining the the original dosage, and it's it's made a world of difference for me. And that's just my story. That's how I came about it. I had to reach complete rock bottom just not doing anything at all other than I almost felt like I was on autopilot not even living life I couldn't tell you probably what had happened during that two probably one one to two year period at all it's it's a complete blur that's scary so Tasha yeah it's I mean it was it's super scary um but here let me turn it over to Tasha let me let her tell her stories and then we'll we'll dive further into the topic Go ahead. Well, I tried once I realized there was something going on um, that I couldn't, you know, control the anxiety, the thoughts that were racing through my mind constantly. Um, I tried to do um, homeopathic methods to calm my anxiety, which was, you know, massage, essential oils, um, just trying to meditate a little bit and, you know, do things like that because I too did not want to get on medication. Um, I've never been a big medication person. I don't take a lot of medicines. Um, my body reacts very since I'm very sensitive towards a lot of medications. Um, so I was always scared to go that route. Um, and I think that me being the person that I am and the control issues that I have, I felt like I needed to be able to control my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts. And if I started a medication, then I have failed that. That's how I, you know, that's, that's, I guess that's kind of a pride thing too. Um, personality thing. But after two years, 
of trying all of those things, I just could not get the thoughts to stop. So I finally went to my primary care doctor and I'll never forget, I walked into her office and as soon as I sat down, I just boohoo cried, like hysterically, couldn't breathe, hyperventilating, crying, you know, one of those ugly cries. And she's like, okay, we need to do something. You're obviously not okay. Um, she prescribed me, um, I think at that time it was, um, oh, I don't remember. Oh, Celexa. It was Celexa. She, she prescribed me Celexa. And when she prescribed it to me, she had said to me, this medication has a black box warning on it. So if at any point during you taking this medication, you feel suicidal or more depressed, you need to let me know and stop immediately. So I went home the next day I started, I, you know, picked up my medication the next day I started. Um, I think that was probably on a Wednesday I started. And by that weekend, I was in a mental state that I had never been in before. I had never in my life felt suicidal or super depressed. Like I've never felt those two things. While as soon as I started taking that medication, I was in a ball, literally all weekend long crying hysterically and I just wanted to die so it would stop. I wanted the feelings to stop that I was having and I just could not, I, I didn't even know who I was and thankfully, you know, I had somebody with me that realized, okay, she's not okay and you know, you need to stop this medication. So I stopped, called my doctor, went back in. Um, she prescribed me then Zoloft, which of course I was terrified to take anything else after I felt like that for even just a few days. But um, I probably waited a month and then I started the Zoloft at the lowest dose. And literally within a week, I could tell a huge difference. You know, my thoughts weren't racing. Um, I just felt, I just felt better overall as far as, you know, trying to control what my brain was doing. And, um, to this day, that was probably what in 2016, 17 to this day. Yeah. To this day, I'm still on it and I'm still on the very first dose that I took. Um, most people would say at this point is probably just the placebo effect because of the dosage that it is. And I should be on higher, but, um, for me it works and it helps curb that, those thoughts. And I had actually just talked to my doctor earlier this year and told her I wanted to get off of it. Um, but she recommended with everything going on in the world right now, it probably wasn't the best time to stop it just because, you know, no, not the, at all. yeah, the anxiety is high in the world anyway. So if you have anxiety, it's even worse, you know, with everything going on. But I, um, yeah, I took that medicine and still take it today because it made such a huge difference. And ever since then I've become, you know, a huge advocate for, you know, don't judge people for their choices on taking medication because it literally helps rebalance their brain chemistry, you know, to help them be at their base level. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's, like you said earlier, it's a pride thing because I, I used to look at it that way as well, almost like a, well, I'm making it without any medication. So why do you need medication? Mm -hmm. And I, I would look down on people before, you know, I, I had the, the experience that I had, but it's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing 
to be ashamed of. Actually, in talking with you and just looking at things from a, a larger perspective, I feel that those who do take the initiative and do get on medication are really stronger mm -hmm. than those of us who are refusing it. Mm -hmm. I'm a very extremely prideful person. I do not like to be helped. I do not like assistance. I want to do everything on my own. And yeah, for a little while there, being on that medication, I did feel, I felt weak. I felt, I guess I'll say, I felt less of a man because again, you know, you're taught to, to be strong. You deal with this, you deal with that, and you do what you got to do. Well, doing what you got to do, a lot of times, if you got mental health issues, it's going to be getting on medication. And like you mentioned, not having those racing thoughts. And that's, I, I've never escaped that. But I do know <laughs> just how the relief, once you find that right dosage, mm -hmm. can have. Just getting back to some level of normalcy is, it's really the best feeling in the world, to be honest with you. You know, I, I know I talked a lot about depression and mania. I absolutely despise, hate depression. It's so frustrating to deal with. So having it controlled and not having those lows any longer, I, I do feel like I'm able to contribute more. I'm able to, to get everything done around the house. I'm able to make sure that I'm pulling my fair share with the kids. You know, I'm able to be there more for my friends now because I'm not constantly erratic. You know, I'm not MIA mm. because I'm depressed. It, it's not as bad I'm as it was still erratic. Before. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah, that's true. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I wasn't like in that, in that period of time, I, I wasn't able to be there, you know, for my family. And I sure wasn't there for, for my friends. And I, I know they've had things going on, but I could not tell you what it was. I, I literally don't remember. It's just, like I said, a blur. Now, it is interesting that medication had such a adverse impact on you because I'm on Celexa and I feel amazing. Yeah, and definitely it, it's all about your body chemistry and, you know, what works with you. And that's why... I think a lot of people get scared of getting onto medications because they're afraid it won't work for them. And it's very possible that it won't. And right. when we, when we jump into the kids section of medicine, you know, I'll talk about that as well again, but I think that you've got to trust your doctor, you know, and obviously do a lot of research yourself. I'm definitely an, a big believer in advocating for yourself, but I think you should, you know, not let this the fear of it not working for you you know make you not want to try it at all exactly and it, it is trial and error and i know you said trust your doctor but sometimes you're gonna have to make that decision yourself if right. your doctor is not listening to you get a, get a second opinion right that, which is why i said I you also have yeah. to self-advocate and do some research you know what i mean yeah no for sure so I guess let's let's shift gears a little bit. So I, I know this, I guess we're going to touch on a little bit of current events. I, I know recently Kanye has been trending. Kanye West has been trending about his rally here in here in Carolina and, you know, some other things that he's done recently in the news. And I want to say that one, Kanye needs to get help. 
that that's an extremely manic state that he's in but it piggybacks on what i'm saying about medication you have to come to a point where you realize that some of your behavior is not normal behavior you're not at your your level form of self and you know there was a lot of memes there's a lot of jokes going around about about kanye and Mm -hmm. it it really i don't know i it bothered me but i i think it bothered me more because i relate to him for sure i don't i don't have that level of bipolar disorder where i will just completely lose it and become out of control but a lot of that is due to my Mm self-awareness if i didn't have that self-awareness you know there would probably be things that are crazy that i'm doing just because i'm riding that wave and that's what's happening with with kanye he i personally believe is not on his medication and clearly he needs it so i i say that to say if you have someone that you care about not saying that i know kanye personally obviously i'm i'm not in those type of circles but if you do notice someone acting completely um different than what their base or what you know of their base persona don't don't be quick to just make fun of that person or even encourage that person to keep making the choices that they're making or continuing the behavior that they're making because that that's not them that's the manic version of themselves and they they need help it's it's going to be hard to talk to somebody who's in a manic high i'm not going to lie about that being a person who gets there because the the feeling that you have it's supernatural i don't know baby i know a couple of people who have relatives that have bipolar and one of the things that they always complain about is when they're in their manic state like you said it's like a super high Mm -hmm. that's when people that are on medications and are bipolar decide i feel so good everything's fine i'm back to normal and then they stop their medications yep and then they're on a super high roller coaster and like you said you can't talk to or argue with somebody who's on a manic high and the families, they're just standing there like, I don't know what to do because obviously you're grown. And, uh, you know, number one, yeah. number two is if you as a person feel like everything is fine with you and you're doing great and you don't need this medication, that's that's hard to control. It's very hard to control because like like you said, it the, what's the, the, the danger with bipolar is. And maybe it's the same with anxiety. I don't know. But with bipolar, you you never know when that high is mm-hmm. going to come crashing down. I'd, I've been manic for months at a time before. Just like I've been depressed for well over two years before. If you're constantly riding that wave, you you do feel good. Everything is great. Everything is good in the world. You... You don't really care about anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you just really want to do what you want to do regardless of the consequence. But when that crash happens, and that that's what I'm concerned about with Kanye, is when that crash happens, that is a hard crash. And then you end up just drained. Right. And in that drained state, 
depression comes in even faster and even harder because you don't have the energy because you've been high so long. You don't have the energy to fight off the depression to get back into a balanced state of mind. And it's it, it's very it can be very scary. And from the family perspective, you know, it's not it's not a lack of care. People Mm-mm. do care about you. Right. But like you said, you're a grown person. You're an adult. It's it's not anybody else's responsibility to make you get and seek help. If you are bipolar and you do get into a manic state, don't stop taking whatever medication that you're on because it is a false sense of com- comfort. Mm-hmm. You feel good. This is true. I mean, I, I will attest to it. You feel good. You feel normal. Manic is not your normal state. And that that's something that can be very challenging to discern between because if you think that your manic state is your normal state, you're just going to continue to repeat the cycle. Get a medicine, you're level for a little while. Get manic, oh, I don't need a medicine because I'm fine. Then you crash, and now you're depressed. Now you're starting to cycle back over again because you got to get back out the depression. It just it keeps looping. It keeps looping, and it you got to break the loop. And I I got I got to be honest, you know, since being on medication, I I don't loop as much. Right. I I haven't been depressed in in a very long time, and I got to say it's it's kind of nice. I'm not gonna lie about it. It's. It's so is, nice. oh, is there a difference between depression for you and a low? Like, is there sometimes where you're obviously not as, um, you're not as high, but you're not like super depressed. Is there a, is there a, I mean, cause yeah. we've, we've talked before and you'll tell me, you know, you're, you're not feeling your, obviously you're not manic. So you're not feeling super high and annoying mm-hmm. like you normally are. But Jeez. if you get, <laughs> If you get super depressed, then you just recluse, you know, you become a recluse and you, you don't talk as much, but is there anything in between? Like, it's not a super depression, but it's not a super high and it's not your base. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. Yeah. That does exist because you, you have like my, my base personality where everything is, it's kind of even and I'm just operating. I'm floating. I'm, I'm, you know, level okay yeah but whenever that low comes i can usually feel it and that'll be the times like in our chat where you notice that i'm i'm not saying too much you know i I might comment or it'll be like a one-liner but i'm not cracking jokes i'm not sending Mm -hmm. memes to the group or anything usually that's the low and that's kind of when i pick up on it and a lot of times I don't. Usually e- either you or somebody else will say, hey, Faye, what's going on? And it'll kind of trigger me to realize I'm about to go lower. Mm-hmm. So I feel it. And, you know, I hate to say it this way, but I, I do. Tr- I try to hide it. I try to mask it. But that that's the thing. Whenever you're surrounded by people who, who care about you, usually they'll pick up on your BS. I mean, that, that's right. just what it is. They'll, they'll notice a change in behavior. And even even if I do get get depressed, you know, if the medication it, it's a, it's such a quick dip and then I'm back out of it. So I don't I don't personally worry about going from that low state where I'm about to plummet anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more like a 
I'll dip into it and then I'll be able to almost immediately get right back out of it. And I, I really think a lot of it is due to the medication, you know, doing whatever it's doing to the, right. the chemical chemicals in the brain. But yeah, no, that, that definitely does does exist. You know, there's there's different levels of it. And that that's the that's the part that's hard to make anybody understand. Me me talking to to you, me talking to our audience about bipolar, it's just my I guess my my bipolar. Right. But right. Somebody else's bipolar can be completely different. Completely different, much more severe you know again you know not to beat a dead horse but like kanye kanye has a very severe form of bipolar disorder it's it's very it's very severe and especially if left untreated he he could become a a danger to not only himself but to those around him and that's that's part of why i make sure and i stay treated because I don't want to be a danger to my family and to my friends. That's that's the number one thing that I don't want to become ever right. again. And that that alone keeps me it keeps me focused because even whenever I'm manic, like you said, I go through the same thing. I will look at my medicine in a manic state and I will say I don't need it. But then mm-hmm. I flash back to how I was my granddad and it scares it scares me into taking my medication because I am so scared of getting back to that level of depression that it frightens me into make, making sure that I maintain my my medicine regimen and then also just the well-being of my family as well. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of factors that keep me keep me um, keep me medicated or keep keep me um, where I stay focused on making sure that I do do take my pill every day. You got any other questions or you want to jump? No, go ahead. Okay. All right. So that's medication and, and our experience. So now I, I want to dive into medication and children. And like I said before, I, I used to be completely against the idea of medication, especially with my kids, because the way I looked at it was I made it 30 something years without any medication. Nobody assisted me with anything. I was able to deal with everything that I dealt with just fine. So now that my kids are showing um, signs of having, you know, some some mental challenges, you know, I, I got got one kid who has clearly has anxiety, and the you know I, I think it might just be just the one. The other one don't care about nothing. <laughs> So <laughs> then watch her later for bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope it skips both of them though. Like so yeah. far, I, I don't, I don't see any signs of, of bipolar with, with the, the oldest, but it, he's young still. We'll see. Yeah. What you happens, can't really diagnose that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But he's definitely got anxiety. And I, I used to, again, just be like, I didn't need medication growing up. Why are we even entertaining putting him on medication? But then I I don't remember who I talked to. Maybe it was you. I don't remember. But the 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 simplest statement was made to me: If you can help your kids to succeed in life without having to battle any mental issues, why wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. And that hit me hard. That that 
that was a gut punch to me because then it got me thinking, well, how would life have been different if I was medicated? Would I have had an, an easier way to go because I didn't have all these things working against me? Or, or what would have actually happened? And so thinking about that, it, it was like, well, why wouldn't I do everything that I can do to help my children to succeed? Right. And it, it, was a, it was a real eye-opener for me. It, it's not a matter of, okay, you did it. You made it without the medication. But you also know that you had your, your challenges. You had your, your ups, your downs, everything mm-hmm. else that goes along with it. If you can avoid your kids from having that and they can just enjoy being a kid and not have to worry about so much control and they can just focus on school, focus on just living life, why wouldn't you do that? And right. that's what shifted it for me. It was such a simple statement, but very powerful at the same time. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was the same thing with me, you know, when I realized that my kid was having a lot of problems in school and it was actually his teachers that were the ones that were like something's going on with you know him he's not his normal self he's having outbursts of anger and rage and you know and at home he was just so emotional and it was just it was a really interesting time but um his counselor you know he had been in therapy because of his dad passing away anyway so you know, his counselor had been telling me for a long time to try to take him to a psychiatrist to get him on medication. And I just wasn't for it. Um, but I finally agreed when things were getting harder for him in school and I took him to a psychiatrist. Um, she wanted to obviously put him on medication because that's what they do. And I told her that I wasn't putting him on anything until he was thoroughly tested by a behavioralist to figure out exactly what it is that we were going to be treating. Um, she, you know, respected my wishes and referred me to a behavioralist, which um, was an interesting process. We had a couple of visits with them. We had a bunch of paperwork to fill out. His teachers had a bunch of paperwork to fill out. Um, it was definitely a group effort in diagnosing what was going on with him. And when the test results came back, um, he was suffering from severe anxiety and ADHD. Um at that time, my concern was the anxiety because it. I knew personally how debilitating anxiety can be and is without, you know, being treated. And once I realized that he was having anxiety, I was, I mean, I knew in my heart that the medication had helped me so much that right. I had to take him to at least try. Um, yeah. Yeah. And when I got him on medication, you know, obviously, again... They tried him on Prozac for the first time. Um, He became even more uh, rageful on Prozac. Um, Bigger outbursts, being more angry, which was not, you know, definitely not what we needed because he was already having those outbursts. So I took him back to the doctor and I was like, this is not working, you know. And so they said, okay, well, let's try because I'm on Zoloft. So, you know, him being my kid, our chemistry may be a lot alike. So we decided to put him on Zoloft and I could instantly, just like with me, see a huge difference in him within like a week or two. Um, He wasn't so emotional. He wasn't, you know, throwing things. He wasn't outraged anymore. He was much more calm. Um, And that was 
you know, the first medication that I put him on, uh, following up with the psychiatrist, she was asking me what I wanted to do about his ADHD. And I told her that I was not interested in treating that with medication that, you know, I was against that. And then that was, so third grade is when he got on Zoloft. Um, and then I think it was in fifth grade, his grades just started dropping and he was having struggles in school. Um, you know, took him back to the doctor and said, you know, let's, let's try. And I think she's the one that said to me, so it probably was me that said that to you about, you know, if you can help your kid, you know, why would you want him to struggle if you can help him by giving him a medication? Yep. Uh, Um, I tried, you know, a medicine for him, for his ADHD. And again, such a huge difference. And I felt guilty because I had waited so long to help him, you know, and there's still so many people out there that have negative outlooks on putting children on medication. And I understand because I too was one of those, was one of those people. Um, but we, he, you know, went through a traumatic event and it was what it was. And, you know, it, you trauma will change your brain chemistry yeah, and, sure. you know, yeah. So I just, I, I did that and we've been, you know, doing much better ever since now he's just a preteen and going through his hormonal BS, but I don't think they make so, a medication for that. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> so I guess based on, on what you just said though, what, what advice do you think we should share with our listeners as far as the whole medication and their child? Because obviously everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. Every child is different. It's not, it's not cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. And while I feel that, I guess we have essentially taken a a different perspective. I mean, gosh, man, a different perception regarding medication that mm-hmm. I feel will benefit the the kids in the long run. Mm-hmm. What would you What would you say, or what are some of the oppositions that you hear outside of pride from? from different parents and their opposition to medicating their children. Kids are going to be kids. Boys are going to be boys. Um, you know, so giving them the med- generalized statements. Yeah. Giving them medication changes who they are or, um, what's some other ones I've heard before. Um, if you need to put your kid on medicine, that just means you can't handle them. You don't know how to parent them properly. I've heard that one a lot. And that was like one of the biggest ones that I was scared about putting him on medicine because again, I didn't want anybody to think that I wasn't capable or able to be a good mom, you know? Um, Those are, those are things that I've heard and I'm sure, you know, a lot of parents feel guilty that they even have to have, you know, and to have their kid put on medication. Um, One, because you, you wonder if you have anything to do with, their, their DNA, their makeup as to why they are the way they are. You know what I mean? Um, so it, it comes down to you really just have to pay attention to your kid, you know, and get to yeah. know your kid and listen to other people who are around your child often, such as the teachers in my case, that come to you and say, hey, something's not right. You know, they deal with kids all day long and they know their, their normal behaviors for the ages that they are. That's what they're taught in school. That's what they know. You know what I mean? And if they come to you and they're like, something's wrong, something's not right, you know, something's bothering him, 
you need to really, really listen to that. And you need to be proactive. And if it has to start with a counseling session, start it with a counseling session. And if you have a good counselor who, you know, I'm so thankful for the, the one that Tristan had. Um, she's a dear friend of mine. She will know or he will know what is appropriate and what's not appropriate for that age. Again, you know, that's what they, that's what they go to school for. So if, if they're coming to you and they're like, Hey, your kid is struggling. You really need to think about putting him on medication. Don't your, your first initial thought shouldn't be, I'm not doing that. You know, you got to put that hum, you know, you got to put that pride to the side because your interest, the best interest for your kid, you know, is at stake. Yeah. And no, if, a, if, a, if a medication, you know, and that's what like people say, well, if you had cancer, you would take a medication to try to treat it. What's that's the difference true. in a mental health issue? You know what I mean? You got to have something to help treat it. Yeah. And there's other ways to help with your mental health. I'm not saying that medication is the only way, you know, eating right, physical activity, surrounding yourself with the proper people. Those are all things that help, but some people, you know, we just need that extra kick, which is what medication does. Well, the, the other things, like you're saying, outside of medication, health, working out, et cetera, those, those definitely do help. They, Mm -hmm. they do give you, um, a lot of times they give you a positive outlet to put your um, mental health into. For instance, mm-hmm. mania, working out, go hand in hand. Right. I've had some of my best workouts being manic. Now, if you saw me, you wouldn't think that I used to be <laughs> lean and everything because depression, I, I gain a lot of weight. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm a big guy right now. But the other side to that is I, I have OCD. Now, I also have the ability to become addicted to things. Mm-hmm. And some of those other outlets, they can turn from something that helps to something that I become obsessive over mm-hmm. very quickly. And that's, that's one thing I hate about my personality. For instance, any project that I start, if... I don't finish it while I care about it or <laughs> I'm in that particular mood. It's going to take a long time to be completed. You know, my mom used to yell at me all the time about how I would always start but never finish. But thinking about it, was, was that a, a, a medicating opportunity because there was you know, clearly a blockage there? I mean, I'll never really know. Wasn't medicated right. as a kid. But I, I think that's probably a good segue into the next topic is the stigma around mental health, the stigma around medication and the negative views that it has. Where do you think these negative thoughts around medication and mental health are stemming from? Why, why is there such a, I feel as of late, there's been a little bit more openness to it, but I still feel people tiptoe around it. And I don't know Well, I think that just like you said earlier, growing up as a kid, for you even, mental health and 
those type of things weren't discussed. It wasn't an issue. It wasn't a hot topic. And so think about the generations further back behind us. That wasn't around. That wasn't a big deal. That wasn't a, you know, a topic. Medications for mental health issues weren't a thing, I don't think, as much as they are now. And unfortunately, it's... (laughs) It's really like a double-edged sword because, like you said, it's becoming more acceptable now. People are more understanding now. Um, but then on the other hand, I've, I've seen, like, kids that are in high school that it's almost cool to be depressed. And it's almost cool to have anxiety. And it's almost cool to be, to quote, unquote, have a mental health issue. You know what I mean? And that is just discounting what's really going on in the mental health community. Um, So it really is, you know, I'm glad that there's more awareness. I'm glad that people are being more accepting of it. And I'm glad that there's more conversations being had about it, but it's not a trend. It's not something trendy, you know, to have. It's understandable and acceptable, but it shouldn't be a, fashion statement so to speak you know what i mean yeah and that's i guess we can we can probably tie in cultural um the cultures and stigmas as well but you know now now that you're saying that about it being a trend i I see what you mean and being being in the black community i i know that there there's there wasn't a lot of like you're saying exposure and discussion around mental health and its importance but i'm wondering did it become cool because more music artists are now talking about it Mm -hmm. you know i i used to gravitate towards like kid cuddy because he was one of the few few black artists that were actually referencing a lot of the the mental issues in his music Mm -hmm. kanye you know you got Joyner, joiner lucas now and I think Juice World, Juice World was a really big one as well, who who always re- referenced a lot of mental ups and downs in his lyrics. And I I think it's it's awesome that he felt that comfortable to use his platform to share a lot of the ups and downs. But at the same time, I feel in some cases, some of the, the lyrics revolve around self-medication and that's that's what you well, don't want to do you know yeah and in the hip-hop and in, in all those people that you're speaking of right now you know that's the kind of music that my son loves mm-hmm. i get so disgusted because so many of those rappers you know talk about suicide as yeah. like as and if you listen to the lyrics most of them obviously are dealing with if a girl doesn't like them or turns them down or breaks up with them, you know, suicide is the answer. That kind of stuff right there is just, it, it dwindles down the seriousness to me of suicide. Yeah. And because I'm a survivor of someone who, I'm sorry, I'm not a survivor. I am, was, I was affected by suicide. I've never attempted myself. Sorry, that was wrong word choices. But I've been on the back end of that and for people to just, you know, loosely talk about it as a response to a breakup or 
life not going right, I think that is a terrible, terrible message to send to the to the youth these days. You know what I mean? It is. You you gotta be. You gotta be. It's hard to say because then I'm sounding like a hypocrite. But you've got to be a little bit tougher mentally than to than to think that suicide is the only answer. If these guys are truthfully suffering with those suicidal thoughts and this music is their outlet, okay. But let's... What there am I trying to say, to be, uh, Almost a... Solution to every problem. Well, not really... I don't know, I wasn't saying a solution. What I was going to say is... If if music and as you know, a lot of a lot of people who suffer with mental health issues are usually very artistic people. Right. They have mm-hmm. some some form of art that they're able to release and essentially monetize. They're, they've they've essentially been able to monetize their their challenges. But I think getting the message out there is there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong at all with using music as your outlet, being open and honest about your your struggles but there also needs to be something that says hey you know this is my outlet or you know suicide is is not the answer or some kind of disclaimer because a lot of their audience are impressionable youth Mm -hmm. and if you're constantly hearing if this if this happens or if that happens or if this doesn't go your way then end it Right. It's, it's not a positive message, but suicide has really been normalized even in slang. If you think about it there in the gaming community, people used to say, kill yourself all the time. Right. Um, or, you know, something along along those lines. And it, it wasn't really taken as, you know, really go and do it. But it's again, it's not something that you should turn or take something that's so serious and try to make light of it. Because right. like you and, you know, several of our other friends have been impacted by by suicide. It, it's very it's very messy, I guess, yeah. where I'll go with because there's it's a domino effect mm-hmm. there. You're I, I've never experienced it, but I can only imagine that you have what ifs. Why? What if I had done this differently? You know, why? Why was I not enough for this person to live like I, I feel it it puts guilt into all of your loved ones mm-hmm. minds and hearts because even if a, a note is truly left do you ever really truly know what really pushed that person to the edge and you, right. you don't you you no longer have the opportunity to ask those questions and that's why I feel going back to your point anytime that you you are discussing it you're talking about it there, there needs to be some, some kind of encouragement. Even if it's even a tweet that says, you know, hey, I know my lyrics have been very heavy as of late, but if you are feeling any of what I'm saying, then please go get help. I, help rather. I, I feel there's there's a responsibility there. It may be an unspoken responsibility, right. but a lot of people blindly follow people. Right, and that's what I was thinking. Like these guys can be out here rapping and singing you know, about this stuff because that's just what they do. And okay, so the word rhymes or, you know, it goes with what they're talking about. But their listeners, you don't know what mental state their listeners are in. Exactly. And they can hear that and say, oh, well, if this person who's super, you know, popular and up on this pedestal and makes all this money feels that way, 
then, you know, I must be, it must be normal and I'm okay and feel like it's okay to go through with it if they think that, you know what I mean? You just, you just don't know where people's thoughts are. And I'm not saying that, you know, you have to, um, beat around the bush on everything you do. But like you said, when you're in that position of popularity and power for a big audience, you have a responsibility to not promote that in that kind of way. NF, for example, amazing. I think the way he promotes mental health, like the way he talks about mental health is You're so solid. like, like yeah. it gives me chills because his music is so Powerful. relatable. Yep. And when I listen to him, like I think about my son because a lot of the things that he says, I can relate to my kid, which is weird because my kid absolutely cannot stand him. And I really think it's because he feels personally attacked when he listens to his music and he doesn't want to have that, um, that he doesn't want to have to, to hear that truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, very, his, uh, it's challenging the, to look in the mirror. Yeah, of course. It's, for anybody. it's very challenging for me. You know, just speaking personally, I love it. I, if I can find music that relates to, to you. Mm-hmm. what, you know, what I'm going through, then I can sit, I can vibe with it. And sometimes it, it, it makes things make sense. Right. But this is what's so crazy about it, though. NF is not as big as Juice World right. was. And they, they have a similar message. Mm-hmm. That, although Juice, you know, he, he does reference a lot of drugs in his music. Right. But it's a form of self-medication mm-hmm. nf is extremely raw um to me Jordan, nf is very life. intellectual right exactly and i i enjoy all of their music because i relate to a lot of it right but it's just so crazy how and i guess we'll i'm gonna try to make this make sense in a culture sense so let's, let's see if i can do it <laughs> it's it's interesting how someone that does rap about mental health issues in the black community can be labeled as as weak or you're mm-hmm. not hood, you're not street, but you're talking real issues. But then the next person talking about shoot up this person, rob this person will blow up. Why mm-hmm. is why is that message of negativity the one that blows up? Versus the one that talks about what needs to be addressed in the black community, and that—that's mental health, and that's—and right. that's what I've noticed in in music. I feel that white people are able to more openly discuss these types of issues. There's almost more more of an acceptance, and you know, just talking from different cultures. And so I I remember, you know, just back in my teenage years, listening to to rock and roll and um what what is it what what, what kind of like, rock yeah is that is that lincoln park and all of them is that yeah alternative mm-hmm. okay so listening to all of them you know i gravitated more towards rock you know i'd be be in the bars and certain <laughs> song come on i got my drink in my hand like i'm vibing at that point because the lyrics make sense right. i wasn't really able to relate to a lot of the rap lyrics because Right. I I'm not a person that, I'm not a pretender. I'm not going to act like I I know what it's like to have grown up in the ghetto. I'm not going to mm-hmm. act like I know what it's like to have to have to sell drugs to to get a dollar or two to to mm-hmm. put food on the table. I'm not a pretender. But 
you know, you you look at who I used to hang out with and everything else. Like I, I would get clowned for listening to rock and roll because I'm a black guy. Listening I mean, to I think it. you and I are like one of the only two people who who agree that Nickelback is not that bad. I said it's really it, yes. not, really not. I don't, under- I, I I don't do understand the Nickelback. hate. <laughs> I don't understand the hate either. I, I really don't. I do enjoy some Nickelback, <laughs> but it's just it's just different how cultural perception is you know when it comes down to mental health and i i think the black community is doing better like i said there's there's more there's more conversation around it there's more artists talking about it mm-hmm. but like you said before i i hope that it's just not a trend trend mm-hmm. you know what, what what is it it's it's not mumble rap what is it there's like another genre i I don't know if it's I don't know if emo rap is a thing or something like that. It's something I think it is. I think it is called emo rap. Is it? Okay. Pretty sure because I looked about it I looked it up too to see like the kind of rap that Juice World and um who's the other one? Um Who, like Jordan Lucas and all them? Yeah, like what kind of what kind of genre is that? Because it's not like it's not like hip like straight hip hop or anything. It's not hip hop, it's not, you know, yeah. But but no, I mean it's like I said, it's just interesting and hopefully there's gonna be more conversations in the future. I, I try to talk mental health with my my kids just because it's it's not something that I'm scared to have a conversation about. I've lived it, still living it, and I I just want my kids to know that no matter what they may be going through, there's no topic that's off the table. And I, I think that's extremely important in this life and in this parenting journey is to stop making every topic a topic that you feel like you have to be on eggshells about. Right. Be blunt, be open, say what it is, and work on it from there. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't help somebody if they don't feel they can tell you about what's going on. How would you know what plan of action to take at that point if right. they don't feel comfortable talking with you about anything and mm-hmm. that's that's just the reality i feel it's like there's another topic we're supposed to hit but i'm completely blanking out right now um, oh no actually that is everything do you have anything that you want to go back on or you want to dive further into no i think it's just important to be self-aware and you know for yourself for your kids you know Pay attention to your kids. If you notice anything off, you know, make sure you have that open line of communication with them. Listen to, you know, others that are addressing things about your child with you because, you know, don't be defensive. I know a lot of us parents get very defensive when things are brought up to us about our kids that we don't want to hear. You know what I mean? Because then, Mm -hmm. because then if you're like me, you feel like it's an attack on your parenting style. Um, So just just be open to listen and, you know, like I said, advocate for yourself, advocate for your kid, um, advocate for mental health in general, because if you or your child doesn't suffer with it, I'm pretty sure we all know somebody who does. And the more, the more people that we have that advocate for mental health, the easier it will be. And hopefully the less people we will lose because of it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And the only thing that I would, would add to that is you can't help somebody if you're afraid to help yourself. Yep. That that's that's the first and foremost thing. You you got to get your mental health in check 
before you start preaching to somebody else about theirs. And that, that's one thing that I feel is very important to say because a lot of people are so quick to point out somebody else's flaws right. when they have more flaws than the person that they're being critical about. And yep. I, I, hate st- I hate stuff like that. And the last thing I'm going to say is, again, if somebody is struggling with, with mental health, maybe they're in an episode, again, referencing Kanye, don't don't be so quick to jump on the bandwagon and start making fun of that individual. Right. Again, there does need to be accountability and responsible taken by that person, by that individual. But a lot of things that you see people doing that are out of character, it, it's not a joke. It, it's really, it's a cry for help. You just have to change your perspective to be able to realize that that's exactly what's going on and that that's all i gotta say about that you good yep i'm good all right all right guys hey so i hope that this series has been helpful for someone you know if we only reach and help one person then to me i feel like that's huge don't be afraid to talk about mental health it should be an easy conversation to have don't judge somebody if they're talking to you about their mental health because you could do more damage and make that person not want to talk or open up again and they're back with the lid on and as we all know anything that's under pressure with a lid eventually it's going to go pop so Mm -hmm. guys thanks so much appreciate the support thanks for tuning in and starting with next week's episode we're going to switch back up to probably a current event style we're just going to grab grab something that is near and dear to us that may be happening in the world and have have the discussion around that If you have any topics you want us to cover, as always, let us know. We're open. All right. With that, that's going to be a wrap. Um, Tasha, anything else? You good? Nope, I'm good. Okay. All right, guys. I appreciate you tuning in, and we will talk with you next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Unfiltered Intellect. We hope you are able to benefit from today's discussion. Stay connected with us through social media. We're on Twitter at Unfiltered INT and on Facebook. Make sure to visit our website, www.unfilteredintellect.com, where you can find additional information about the show, give feedback and topic recommendations, as well as read our official blog. We'll catch you Monday for our next episode. Until then, take care of and look out for each other.